Welcome to Booked, where two guys tell you about the books they're reading. I'm Rob Olson. And I'm Livia Snedden. Tonight, we're reviewing Triple X Seamus, another installment in the new Broken River Books. Uh, I don't know what you call it. Publishing house, I guess. Um, but, but tonight, we have as a special treat the 2013 Donnie Booked winner, David James Keaton. Hey, David. Woohoo! There you go. Hey. <laughs> so, nice uh, having you back. I'll insert some fanfare. Yeah. And uh, David went ahead and submitted his check for $24, so he is now <laughs> the official winner of... Uh, of uh, we'll talk more about that later, though, I guess. Anyway, congratulations on sweeping Donnie Booked. Thanks. Thank you. I, you know, thanks to whoever voted, whoever was out there creeping. This is a testament to... One of the times we had you on and you said that we've kind of like the podcast and you have kind of grown up together. I think beyond you being one of our personal favorites, I think it's kind of the listening audience as well. Yeah, that's uh, that's good. To, it was it was kind of cool to listen to that. I saw some some grumblings from the must have been the um, second and third place. <laughs> I was going to say losers. Uh, <laughs> the ones the runners up. The runners up. I saw some grumblings from people that didn't win, but I was I couldn't get online because I was up in Minnesota and I could only access um, email through a phone. And um, but I could see on Facebook there was all these like "fuck you," so I figured <laughs> it must have been good news. Um, but I was uh, as it went along, listening to the podcast, it just got funnier and funnier. <laughs> if anything happens to you. Um, and I probably shouldn't say this, but then Sean P. Ferguson would be our Donnie booked winner for guest uh, for guest on the show. Just saying, yeah. if anything were to happen, that crown. Yeah, but does move. does that mean he gets all twenty five um, award categories? Because no, like what, no. he gets best uh, best appearance or best pants or something. But there was all there was all sorts of other ones. Mm-hmm. There were, and we're going to talk about those um, right after we're done reviewing Triple X Sheamus. Ooh. So a little bit about the author. Now, this, I just read that. Yeah, that's, that's good. <laughs> what a coincidence. This is perfect. Here is a little bit about the author. Now, some of this may or may not be true. Red Hammond was a lifelong Pentecostal minister who on his 60th birthday quit preaching, left his wife, disowned his kids and moved to L.A. so he could write porno scripts. Once there, however, he was told over and over that his scripts were too dark even for that sort of porn. So he wrote a novel, and once he was done, it left him in a coma from which he still hasn't recovered. This is that novel. Although rumor has it that he's just this really, just this boring guy who lives with a dog. So I, I don't know. I don't know. That's true. Maybe this guy's in a coma. Um, there are so, that, that bio is crawling with clues, by the way. And not, commas. Not just to his There's far too many commas <laughs> in that. In that I, it's the, I had to like transcribe it from the book. And I just kept, I was like, I can't stand how many commas are in this. It was my biggest, that's my biggest criticism. So do you think that in itself is a clue? Well, I, I don't mean necessarily clues to his identity, but clues to his psychology. Yeah. <laughs> I have a lot of theories I want to share at some point. <laughs> I think, I think we'll do that. So. <clears throat> All right. All right. Here's the problem. We couldn't find a synopsis um, uh, for this book anywhere. So, um, Rob, do you want to synopsize the book? Well, XXX, wow, that's a great start, isn't it? XXX Sheamus is essentially a book about a guy named Hopper, who is a private investigator who has a way of 
he's got some sort of magnetism. He like ladies always want to get with him, um, and he, like most detective stories, uh, gets a case, and the case that he gets causes all kinds of well crazy sexual situations and also a lot of trouble for his life. That's pretty. That's pretty good. Except the case is pretty unimportant in the scheme of things. <laughs> I, it's almost like a parody of a of a private eye plot. You know, it's like find the girl, find a. Isn't there a video? There's a videotape. Find yep. the girl. Find the tape. Um, but the book doesn't give a shit about that stuff. It's true. So, it's yeah, true. it's it's far less about the case and a lot more about Hopper and his his really really dark past. So, right. Um, the last girl that he found didn't want to be found, but he, he brought her home and uh, she wind up she wound up trying to kill herself. So he's kind of living with this and he doesn't want to take on any more missing girl cases because he's really traumatized by this whole thing. But um, Kristen Hannity walks into his office and uh, <laughs> through an exchange in sexual favors, um, winds up hiring him to find her little sister, Yasmin, who was uh, 15 years old and pregnant and uh, went missing. Right. Um, yeah, how about the name Hopper? Is that, did you guys get the, is that like a fucks like a rabbit joke or something? Is that, that's what I took that as. Uh, it, like it, the, it occurred to me. Or the, the name of the um, author. You got all sorts of possibilities. I mean, Hammond's an organ. So is it red organ? You know, like a. Oh, look at that. Is it, or is it red hair? Is it red herring? Uh-huh. Is it yeah. red, red Hammond organ? What's going You know what I'm saying? So many clues. <laughs> I actually had to look up Seamus when I was done with the book to find out that that's a, a word for private detective. Yeah, it's a private eye, right? Yeah, but then yeah. I was calling it, I've been calling it all week, triple X, shame us. Mm-hmm. Oh, it could, be, could also be sham us. No, that's, that doesn't make any sense. No, it doesn't work. <laughs> <Damn it. laughs> right, um, so okay, I'm, but. Oh, sham. Yeah, yeah, like a sham, not like a sh- like a yeah, not like a chamois, like, 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 like a sham, like a sham. <laughs> no, like a like a fake, you know. Right. Anyway, uh, I want to say one more thing about how. All right, so Olivia says that he had a case where he found someone she didn't want to be found, and then she tried to kill herself. The problem with that part of the story is that, um, and I don't think it's really a problem, but it's it's worth noting that his assistant, who he has kind of an ongoing relationship with, her name's Divinity, is like a friend of that girl. So either he wants a constant reminder of the bad thing he did, or he doesn't really care as deeply as maybe we think he does. Right. It's like a running joke that he, whoever he finds, he makes their lives worse, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. He says, he says it. It's like a refrain that they talk over and over again. Um, Divinity or divinity, divinity, divinity. She, um, she's a bit of a cipher for me. I didn't get, it. I couldn't get a real good handle on her until a certain thing happens. Um, how much are we going to spoil the book? Because it's hard to talk about stuff I really want to talk about without ruining a lot. Well, we don't want to ruin a book for anybody. Well, no, I'm just was saying that I was. I couldn't get a handle on her personality so much as, uh, as um, you know, she was uh, this thing that he he really wanted. It was hints that he was going to proclaim his love to her, and that was the, you know, that was the uh, smooth sailing on the horizon. That once he did that, he'd get his life together. He'd stop screwing around, 
you know, like in, in the movie Thief, the guy carried around that postcard with his potential future written on it. She was some sort of hope for the future. Um, and it was, it keeps you off balance because when you first, when you first see her, she comes in to clean up a mess, <laughs> right? right? That was left <laughs> by first, uh, by his client um, during that first sexual exchange with this sort of resigned, depressed, I don't know. I, I just, um, so it was, it was interesting that that was his, his holy grail. And uh, it was almost, and this, I think it's a strength of the book that things occur to the main character as they occur to the reader. It's, some people might think it feels like the story was made up as it went along as far as his feelings towards her or his feelings towards, or even more important, we should talk about it later, about his desirability and whatever, what's making these women like or come after him. There's a lot of questions about that. Um, and it's not exactly that they uh, were just occurring to the, to the author. I think they're occurring to the character, and which um, kept me with it. Because I wasn't sure what he was going to do. And once I got past that PI plot, which is, again, pretty thin, pretty, it's very familiar, but I think it's familiar because we're not on familiar ground once he's added to the equation. He's, he's the catalyst of everything, which is the opposite of most private eye books that I've seen. You know, they're, well, I shouldn't say that. But he, the book's about him, and um, any plot we're following is, is him changes through him and not necessarily this look looking for the girl that makes any sense i'm gonna jump the rails there but no i think i think you're absolutely right i mean this book is definitely about hopper and, and i know what you mean because we've read books where it's um or i you know even my own personal reading i've read books where it's all about the story and the, and the pi is just kind of a flat character but there's kind of a good detective story going on there like you're really with it like an agatha christie type you know where like a whodunit yeah. And this isn't, you're right, it's thin, it's thin on story, but what it lacks in story, it gives us in this really complex and, and disturbed and, and disturbing um, character, uh, Hopper. Yeah, it's a, it's a more of a psychological um, profile than anything. It reminded me of uh, Thomas Harris, his later books, when um, they got less uh, concerned with the police procedural stuff and his background as a crime reporter and it, they really got into the the head of his of his main characters particularly lectors mm -hmm. and not that this guy's a serial killer but he is a serial something <laughs> yeah well i you guess know. it's a good time to talk about that mm -hmm. <clears throat> yeah um did we didn't really mention yet there's a lot of like really sexual stuff that happens in the book Right. Yeah, it's very, very graphic. So at one point, I was actually thinking this is like Fifty Shades for dudes. Well, they yeah, there's um, and you guys gonna talk about his his superpowers or whatever? Oh yeah. He's got, supposedly he's it, first they say there's there's all sorts of possibilities of what it is. First they say it's uh, pheromones. That there's there's comments when people say uh, he's what he smells spicy or some shit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like um, you know. Wasn't and then at some points there's a comment about um, he has a sad look on his face and that's a theory. Like women want to fix him. Some, yeah. Yeah. So that's the other theory. But there's also um, not to. I don't think this is a spoiler, but you might want to tune out. But there's a hint towards the end that this shit isn't even true. A character says that 
brings brings up an incident that we've written off as just another female character that can't wait to get with him for whatever reason. And they have an entirely different version of events. From their point of view, he pursued them until the person finally relented and had sex with him, which means that we can't trust anything that we've read. And maybe he's some sort of um, um, psychotic as far as his relationships with women. Like when he he'll talk to somebody, and then he'll they'll go back in the room and lock the door, and he'll he'll think to himself that that woman was so turned on by him that she's going to masturbate. But now we have to think to ourselves, was she freaked out by him, and that's why she locked the door? <laughs> Because his his version of events might not be true. Do you remember what I'm talking about when that character yeah, says? I do. I do now, and I, I'm now I'm trying to think. Does this turn the whole book on its ear? It does. I thought it did because huh. it it certainly makes it more interesting as far as the you know the um, the sexual dynamics and the the gender swapping. You know, he's he's essentially um, victimized by his sister, which we'll, I'm sure we'll get into that. And um, it, it just it takes it away from that whole uh, softcore pornography on Cinemax, you know, where everybody just can't resist a certain character or whatever. And if that's not what was going on, then there's a lot more than meets the eye as far as all those situations. Not quite a not quite a Fight Club reversal of what what we've seen, but at right. least people when he goes into that bar and he talks to that bartender he got with, and he left that he didn't leave that the way we thought he left it. She's now infected with something, remember? Yep. Yeah, she's hurt, physically hurt. And there's all sorts of horribleness that he's left in his wake, and we get a hint that this is maybe this is why he doesn't make people's lives better when he finds them, because he thinks it's like, oh, man, i got to fuck someone else. Poor me. But that might not be what's happening. The thing I think that kind of lends kind of some weight to what you're saying also is that as the book goes on, the 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 element of sex changes significantly like definitely yeah in, in the beginning it's um it's it's all like that his perspective you know oh everybody you know every girl can't resist me I, I i'm kind of powerless you know i have this magnetism that you can't control but as the book progresses people who he's been with before kind of cool off or you know like like David was saying, the people that he's seen and you know he's been with in the past, when he sees them further on, like there's a different reaction to him, and that that magic is is gone, and he's seeing something entirely different. So that, that definitely the progression of the way that their sexual attraction changes definitely kind of gives weight to what you're saying. All right, so let's let's I, very interesting points on both of your parts because I didn't um, David's point I didn't see at all. Um, Rob's, I totally, I noticed that. I also, I was going mean, to just to touch on that though. He keeps a list of people he slept with, and pretty early on, he says most of them were one-time only things. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's kind of a, you know, running list that he's got. But he addresses that there are very few repeat customers, yeah, so to speak. The list was remember off. The list was kind of funny. It mm -hmm. was, it would say like uh, Susie, anal, frowny face. <laughs> <laughs> Your list doesn't look like that. You don't have like little notes. <laughs> yeah. it'd be a it'd be a flip cartoon so when i when, so when we say that that everybody yeah. is attracted to hopper we mean literally every woman in the book yeah is, is that right every woman he comes into contact with at least considers having sex with him yeah. so you've got to swallow that pill even his nemesis the the uh guidance counselor who 
must hate him for what happens there. Yep. She's she's fighting it too. This whatever's going on, if that's happening, you know, if that's mm-hmm. it's all through. You know, it is a it isn't a first person detective book, which is probably more difficult to write. But it's attached to his point of view. We don't see any scenes that he's not in. Mm-hmm. So um, the point of view is still suspect. I think as far as his sexual conquests, or at least is it definitely takes it away from that uh, that um, romp, you know, with the the James Bond kind of thing, like, oh, I'll throw you a bone, you know. Well, and it's funny too because <laughs> he is addressed as you know, kind of looking like a nerd, right? And, and that women have to be around him a little bit, like they're kind of dismissive at first glance, but then they notice his physique is apparently he's like a, a you know weightlifter, bodybuilder type person. At right. first, they they dismiss him as a dork, and then, like, as they start to notice things, they're more and more into him. You said something earlier that I'm sure lots of listeners are, <laughs> are probably still wondering, like, when are they going to get to this? You mentioned that he was victimized by his sister, and I think we need to address this probably in full, because it does come up very early in the story, um, and can be very disturbing for some readers, and or listeners, for that matter. So Hopper, at a young age, lost his parents, and his sister, who at the time, I believe, was 17 or 18, convinced the remaining relatives that she could raise the, was he 11, I think, 10, 11 at the time? Yeah, there's um, an age gap. Yeah. Um, and at some point, his sister starts having sex with Hopper, and this continues on into um, Hopper's adult years. So this is going on throughout the course of the story. Now, Hopper, much like he hates himself for finding the previous lost girl and kind of hates himself for all this sex he has to have because he's compelled to do it um you know really hates himself for this relationship he has with his sister but he can't seem to find find a way out of it and and, and i get that I, I don't get the weird sister sex thing but i mean i get that whole <laughs> well we've read other books where where people have been um recently we re- reviewed um gravesend and it was the like relationship to the the mother the, like woman couldn't break away from her mother because it was her mother mm-hmm. you know i think it's kind of the same thing here only there's very pornographic sex happening between uh, his sister. And we keep saying his sister because he refers to her. There's a name. It's Violet. Is it Violet? Is that Violet, it? yeah. Yeah. But yeah. He, uh, he refers to her only as sister, even when he's talking to her. So that's kind of a little weird, too. Yeah, it's... Um, and I'd give credit to the author for making that, like you said, a believable scenario. Mm-hmm. That it's just, you know, it's sickening. But um, I never thought, I mean, I guess the whole nature of this book is gratuitous. Yeah. But but not if you look at things through different lens. And um, I didn't think that, there was never a moment that I didn't believe uh, that that relationship was happening. Because she, especially if, if you just take a minute to reverse the genders, you wouldn't doubt it for a second. Right. And that's what I think that he's... Um, He's feminized through this, that relationship. Um, and he's, he's also feminized in several ways in the book, which is a, to subvert our expectations is the, you know, the hung stud out to, you know, just like fucking his way through the case. We have, instead of a very perverse, um, twisted psychology, and again, the, that's probably the second most disturbing, well, that, no, that's probably the most disturbing thing that happens. Not maybe not as a set piece, <laughs> but it's uh, it's the most disturbing aspect of the book. And I was and when I was coming, like you guys were saying earlier, uh, when we were when we were recording yet, that um, 
we sort of feared it was going to happen. We weren't sure that, that was going on. Did you guys get that too? Like, uh, is this going to yep. be insane? Oh, shit, it is. <laughs> but I was amazed how quick I breezed past that. Like, oh, yeah, all right. I guess, that, I guess I'm reading that book. Um, yeah, it, it, the interesting part of that is, and what I thought about was that you find that, um, and I've just, I've read things, and again, you know, how much truth there is. But for example, you said the, the gender reversal. If you have a, a woman who has been um, sexually abused as a youngster, that there is a certain percentage that will turn to being, you know, quote unquote, a slut which I think is exactly what happened to Hopper here. Only the difference, the, the one, th so reading this for me was kind of a little bit like science fiction. Like there's always like that big hurdle you have to get over. Like, okay, there's Wookiees. Now that I accept that I can, I can watch <laughs> Star Wars. Was the whole thing that, you know what, there are women out there that are, that are the female version of Hopper that no guy doesn't take a second glance at, you know what I mean? That type of thing. I don't know that there's any men out there that that happens with. Yeah, what, well, that's why I like my interpretation that mm -hmm. it really wasn't happening. Yeah, that makes it really interesting. That's the first thing that came to mind was that might explain away the, the the bit that I had to swallow to be able to read this book. Yeah, you know, which more, was everybody wants to have sex. Yeah, that, yeah, that he's more predatorial than we thought he was. I'm having trouble reconciling what Livia said with my own image of myself. <laughs> it's a joke. <laughs> I gotcha. <laughs> Insert cricket sounds, yeah. Um, all right, so back back to the sex for a little bit. I do want to say that there is nothing, um, you know, David said gratuitous, and it is. It's it's straight up porn, and there is a lot of it in this book. Um, you know, the joke was in my wrap up. I was gonna say, ah, you know, could have used a little more sex. It really couldn't have. It was it was filled <laughs> to, to the brim in whatever orifice you want it to be. Um, with sex constantly and throughout. So, I mean, I, I don't think there were, you couldn't go 15, 20 pages without some type of either sexual encounter or very near brush with a sexual encounter that couldn't happen for one reason or another. I, I have an alternate theory about that. Okay. I don't believe that this book is full of sex at all. Yeah, I was going to go let in that me, direction too, but I'd like to hear what you're going to say about that. Let me, let me explain. <laughs> I think that... <laughs> I think for the sister characters are clue to what's. I'm not just talking about whether he was uh, um, the, the catalyst for these encounters more than he was giving on that reveal later. I think that's one clue. But also, I think the sister is a clue about um, about not just not necessarily the author, but like I was saying earlier, the author as character. Here we have this, you know, our, our author's name, Red Organ or whatever, whatever <laughs> we're calling. Um, here we have a sister who shows up, who I, who I think is representing this author's character. She's, she talks about this drudgery of these Christian romance novels she's writing, these clean romance novels she's supposed to write. And he asks her, why, how can you write it? You know, is that hard to write? And she says, it's very simple. All you do is substitute, anytime you would have a sex scene, you would substitute a prayer scene. You have praying instead of sex. So with that in mind, I thought, um, if I was to rethink this book, I was already starting to, to think about what if you were to uh, take all those sex things and replace them with anything else, because there, there's so many of them. There's almost literally one per moment, one per uh, encounter. Yeah. And then it comes to the, the biggest fucking clue in this book. There's one moment where he prays. You guys know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. When he drops that guy off, I don't want to give anything away, but he, he says a prayer. 
And I believe if we have this, if we do this reversal, that is the only, quote, sex scene in the book. Because we have substituted prayers for sex and sex for prayers. That prayer is the only sex scene in the book, if that makes any sense at all. I, it, it should, because I took a semester of psychology in 1992, <laughs> and I'm using every minute of that class right now. I think that this book is full of prayers, not sex. I stand I want to read this book again. <laughs> I mean, it's such it's such a blatant spot when he says when he stops to pray, and I'm like that, and it's not and it's not very long after she says substitute all the sex scenes for praying, and that's how you write a clean Christian romance novel. This author as character is telling us you want to write a private eye novel, substitute sex for prayers. Um, I think that's what's going on. I think that it was a conscious effort by. Red Herring, where the fuck his name is. <laughs> I think that I think that there's that it's a more sophisticated book than it seems like on the surface, especially with shit like that. I mean, I was so intrigued by that stuff that. Uh, well, uh, go ahead. You All right. If you want to follow your your thread of of and, and this goes back to this makes more sense what you're saying about clues in the author bio, a Pentecostal right. minister who gives up to go. Right, pornos. Yes. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, the, like fate, a, the the pseudonym is just as much of a character, I, to me anyway. Um, see, that takes in. All right, uh, <laughs> all right. So here's 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 where I'm at with this. I'm gonna spoil my 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 uh, wrap up a little bit. I really enjoyed this book. Despite the numerous inappropriate things that were thrown in here, I took it at straight up face value as Red Hammond wrote it. What do you? Why do you have a problem with praying, Marius? No, no, no. But that's what I'm saying. I think that, I, and and if I many, if I had to reread it again, I mean that might take it to like a sixth sense level of genius. <laughs> I think that you need to pray. I'm gonna <laughs> pray on this, and by pray. <laughs> I mean, masturbating. That's right. <laughs> there was so much inappropriate stuff in this book. All right, so there's the part. The part I, I see the whole sister sex thing. Yes, it was very disturbing uh, on the whole. You know, the whole scheme of it. There's a part where he just very briefly just makes out with a middle schooler that I thought was probably <laughs> was probably the the kind of over the top yeah, moment uh, of the book. He was interviewing for, those two girls. Yes. Right. Yeah. Very cleverly, they, as always, the responsibility deflected from the, from the hero. They make the one girl mm-hmm. tell mm-hmm. him to do it. Or trade information. For, information. Yeah. Yeah. He's forced, again, forced to do these things, you know. But then he reflects yeah. on how, like, how he had improved her ability to kiss. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Well, yeah. Which like yeah, as he runs out the door, the dad's coming stomping down the hall, and, and he's running out the door, thinking to himself, "You're welcome." Yep. <laughs> yeah, there's the subplot where he enters. It's already a pornographic book, and then Red Herring says, "Let's let's up the, the stakes a little bit and actually put him in the world of pornography." And that's when it leaves the the New Orleans setting to to Vegas. Yep. And there's a great description. If my Kindle is working, there's a great description of Vegas that I would used for the quote when it talks about the differences between New Orleans and Las Vegas oh, yeah, how, Las Ve- how Las Vegas kind of 
continues to expand and revels in its sin. Yeah, yeah, that was that was a great, a great line. Um, but yeah, it's it's interesting. It's 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 got to be sort of a tribute to Body Double. You guys seen Body Double? Mm-mm. Seriously, no. Who <laughs> oh are you asking? <laughs> well, let, I'm I, without talking about the plot to Triple X Sheamus. Let me tell you the scene, the sequence of events in Body Double, and see if it rings a bell. And this way, we don't have to spoil anything from Triple X Sheamus. Character um, is obsessed with finding um, a woman who's in a pornographic film that he's that he's seen. He tracks down the company that's making the films. And in there to ask questions, he's mistaken for a possible actor. They have him stripped down in the room and they have him, uh, they check him out and they say, you know, you'll do in an every man sort of way. We need more of these. Uh, They throw him immediately into a pornographic scene where, as luck would have it, there's the girl he was looking for. Interesting. Except... If there's something similar in this book, um, he there's a little there's a little difference, <laughs> <laughs> and the difference uh, the difference is why I think he's allowed for two reasons he's allowed to use this homage to De Palma. First of all, reason number one is what he does to change that scene, how he um, ups the ante on it, and number two is De Palma was a notorious thief of Hitchcock. And body double is a ripoff of Vertigo and Rear Window. So it's fucking fair game. Anybody who wants to use anything for body double, that is a fine tradition of, of theft. Uh, <laughs> I'd, be, I'd be very shocked if that wasn't uh, speaking directly to that movie. Because didn't that sound familiar, what I just described? Yes, yes, very familiar. Can I just There's, say that? So, so our, what you're saying, though, is... If someone steals something from another piece of art, <laughs> that as long as we're stealing it from the person who stole it, it becomes okay? Of course. Okay, got it. Yeah. <laughs> just just wanted to check the math on that one. Especially, I mean, De Palma is famous for ripping off Hitchcock. Uh, Dressed to Kill rips off, um, rip, uh, rips off Psycho, blatantly. And... Uh, Again, body double is vertigo combined with the plot of Rear Window. Entire sequences are used. In Raising Cain, he uses, um, do you guys remember Psycho when uh, Anthony Perkins has put, puts it in the swamp and he's standing there and he's watching the, the car sink into the swamp and, he, and the, the sun's coming up and all of a sudden the car stops sinking. And the music, he looks around, he's, he was eating his little nuts or whatever, and he looks around, the sun's coming up, it's like, oh, fuck. And then the, the uh, car starts sinking again, and he's, there's some palpable relief. And it was a great sequence in, in uh, Hitchcock's movie. Well, De Palma in Raising Cain, which doesn't even use the plot of Psycho, says, I'm going to use that whole scene. So the main character, John Lithgow, has uh, his wife in the trunk watching the car sink. All of a sudden, the car stops sinking for a second. He panics, and it starts to sink again. But De Palma's like, well, I'm going to add a little twist to it. She starts screaming and clawing at the glass inside the car when it goes down so there's all it's something he's been doing his entire career and um this guy if it's a guy maybe it's a, maybe this author's a female we don't know <laughs> whoever it is uh definitely a diploma fan gotta be a diploma fan hmm gotta be 
up until I read Tampa um, by uh, Alyssa Nutting, I would have said it, this couldn't be a woman, but now you're right. Maybe maybe it's a woman. Could be. With a dog. A boring... Well, in the in the bio, and it could be misdirection, it says boring guy who lives with a dog. Yeah, that's <clears throat> true. Yeah. <clears throat> I want to shoot right. holes in your theory. So here's what we have to kind of <laughs> summate this story. So this could be a this could be a team of people that wrote this book. It, that's <laughs> possible too. Um, so we have a private eye who may or may not be irresistible to everybody, who may or may not have sex with everybody meeting the book, looking for a girl that's doing porn. Um, he has uh, a frequently very, a very had sex pregnant, with his sister. Very pregnant girl. You should throw that in. A very pregnant girl. Um, has sex with his sister, makes out with a with a middle schooler, and all in very very graphic graphic detail too. I might add, <laughs> like there's no sugarcoating any of this. This this is this red like porn. Yeah, they didn't. Well, uh, he didn't refer it, back to the making out. He like I think sugarcoating it, you know, ironically makes it pornographic. I think if you try to make it into a shades of gray thing, I think then you're being irresponsible. And not at any time reading this book did I think. This sounds like something I want to do. This sounds like a great. This sounds like a solid relationships this guy has, or this sounds like a very healthy uh, sexuality going on here. So I think that it'd be gratuitous if it was portrayed in any way that it is, which is literally in your face, rubbed in your face, and use various WD-40 spraying people's asses, whatever's going on. It's nothing. You. It's not. It's not like oh man. This is a real escapist fantasy. I sure wish I was a private eye. Yeah, no, <laughs> even though he's doing, even though he's doing things that you would consider, the, you know, a fantasy, private eye fantasy, and that's what it might. If there was a book summary, that's what you'd think is, this is just a bunch of wish fulfillment bullshit. But it's not. This guy, what a miserable existence! All this sex he's having, basically. So he has like three sexual encounters in the first day he's on the job. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's Pretty like much. he's going from one appointment to the next and like he just has to bang everybody that he meets, basically. With it's his very productive soiled his his soiled khakis. His, <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't wear any underwear because he's like so it slows it down. Gotta get it over with. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, there's there's some vile details. I love the New Orleans setting. I love the rainy sweatiness to everything. Mm-hmm. It was uh, it was a good use of place i was surprised this is just totally a side note and really unimportant but um and the times i've been in new orleans like air conditioning was so incredibly uh in in, in, like uh emphasized i was surprised it wasn't mentioned more in the book it's like every every sign you see says we have air conditioning i don't know just totally a random thought it has nothing to do with what we're talking about well, yeah, it opens with the air conditioning's out, right? There's a box fan or something. <laughs> and it's, yeah, and it's raining out and the window's open or whatever. Yep. Yeah, that was part of his, his observation on his list. It was raining. He writes down her What was her name? The first, the sister? Kristen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Kristen, it was raining or something is on his list. Yep, blowjob, it was raining. <laughs> Which, again, goes towards my theory of... of author's character i think what you have there is a very lean simplified version of the entire book that he's writing he's also writing (laughs) a a, uh 
a Red Hammond uh, romance novel, and that's what it would look like. Should we mention the other kind of shocking thing that happens? No, 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 no less than twice. Hmm. In, oh, the in uh, well, they, yeah, Hopper's uh, past. Yeah, go ahead. Mm-hmm. I think so. So, um, to, to further bring this poor bastard down, um, Hopper is raped um, pr- prior to the beginning of this story, but it's on his list. Like the guy's name, like the fact that he was raped, sodomized is is on this list, which I found. I I, I don't know. I don't know if sodomy, you know, outside of prison happens really frequently but the thing that that kind of struck me and, and i'm going to stick with the original face value story is later in the book he is threatened to be raped again and, and i wonder illusions if, if we're going with mr keaton's theory um also cause men to be attracted to him oh interesting that he's more likely for that to happen yeah I'll say, and i this is what i thought you were going to say because i was going to say something similar is that the fact that that happened to him in his past, and when it's threatened to happen again in that sequence in Vegas, mm-hmm. the threat level is way higher. Because normally, with the especially with a male main character, it's kind of like uh, you know in modern movies, you know the dog's never going to die. You also know the guy's never going to get raped because they never have the balls to do that. They'll they'll rape the women in the movies because um, because the way people uh, don't think that the one character is. One gender is as important as the other, especially in a crime movie. But never the men, you know. That's it's sort of it'll demasculine, um, demasculinize them. But I was definitely on the edge of my seat when the threat popped up because I thought it's already happened once, so all bets are off. Yeah. To be fair, though, and this I don't know if this is going to spoil it, so I, might, I don't know if I can say it, but he wasn't raped by another guy. Or the, it wasn't uh, a threat of rape by another guy in um, Vegas. Uh, yeah, I, I guess you'd say. But there no, was he was he was threat he was threatened once when it didn't happen, and I think it was um, the threat was so, yeah, yeah the threat the threat was in the room I guess mm-hmm. was. right, but it it was when it happens when whatever happens is a surprise regardless, <laughs> you know, but um, but the there's just a there's a violation of the hero that is. Is unexpected, and especially because it's revealed, like like Olivia said in his little diary. You're like, whoa, that's that's unusual. Yeah, because he's like all but one were a woman, and you're like, oh, okay, so you know, in college he fucked around some guys or whatever. <laughs> They're like, nope, he got raped by a mechanic during an investigation. Yeah, and it's, and it's one of those private eye uh, movie scenes where there's always somebody that the guy goes to interview and shit goes wrong, and it's like, well, you should have fucked with that guy. <laughs> this one went a lot real wrong. He says the guy got tired of his questions and sodomizing. Well, Whoa. I, I got a couple of thoughts about this though. Like, first of all, the uh, the thing that goes down in Vegas, I always, I, I almost saw as thematic of his victimization from his sister. Um, like, it's a woman in his life who's who's uh, tough and you know makes him do things he's not comfortable with. Like, I kind of felt like it was more like that. But then. Right him reflecting on at one point in the book his actual like rape from another guy um at one point he i don't know what the real reason behind it was but he kind of admitted to himself that he ended up he was he had enjoyed being with the dude who raped him <laughs> do you remember that yeah i yeah no, i don't it, remember that yeah i don't think it changes much as far as my my reading of it I think, like like Livius was saying, that 
at first you think it's just some sort of college experience or because it doesn't it's a good two or three pages later when he just drops that bomb on you right mm-hmm. it just says on the list there's one male mm-hmm. and um which i think is already a nice bold move the kind of thing that you you should see more of the only i can't think of any time you would you would see that with the main character and especially in such a macho genre you know um Last time I saw that in a movie was, uh, you guys ever see 3,000 Miles of Graceland? Oh, yeah. Or the, a.k.a. the Dueling Elvis movie, where there's like a good <laughs> Elvis and a bad Elvis. There's a really hilarious moment at the beginning where the bad Elvis, Kevin Costner, was, at the, at the time, everybody was excited because he was playing against type. He was a real badass. Um, he's filling out a questionnaire while he's waiting to kill somebody. And it was it's in like some woman's magazine. And it asks... Uh, I forget exactly what it was asking, but one of the questions is, have you ever had sex with a man? And he circle, he hesitates, and then he circles yes. It's a real throwaway moment. He just kind of tosses the magazine away. and it's, um, I remember a reaction in the, uh, in the theater, like, what? And I just remember thinking, well, that just adds a nice facet to our bad Elvis. I mean, I think it's a, it's a bold move, and that's, this book is full of bold moves, you know? It's true. Anything else uh, you guys want to cover before we do something? <laughs> um, it was, it was, I was thinking about this uh, as we were talking. Uh, have you guys ever heard of The Gas, the book The Gas by Charles Platt? Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Um, I think that it should be, uh, well, I was going to say it should be mentioned on the show, but I, I just did that. But it, it's, it's Mission uh, accomplished, sir. Yeah. Ta-da! <laughs> it's, it's a similar it's a similar thing it explores uh, it, it's it's a science fiction story about this gas that's released that makes people want to have sex um, and the uh, the effects of it increase exponentially to where there's bestiality and incest and um, takes a violent turn to um rape scenarios and it just takes a really dark turn it's a notorious book that was banned for a long time really hard to get but uh it's definitely concerned with a lot of similar thoughts about as far as the the role of sex in the story um it would be interesting it would be an interesting companion piece Hmm. if you wanted to just totally overload on this shit yeah not enough sex in this book for me prayers not sex there's there's one sex scene i thought we covered this (laughs) that's why there's no bestiality in this book because animals don't pray (laughs) i'm trying to follow your logic all right red hammond if you're out there and listening create if you don't already have one a fake red hammond gmail account and email us because i'm i'm dying to know I'm dying to know if Keaton's right on this. And if I have to reread guys, this whole fucking book. I did not waste a semester. Actually, it was so long ago, it was a quarter. I was It was back when there were no semesters. They, they did the quarters. And it was one quarter at uh, University of Toledo, psychology class. I did not waste it not to be wrong on this. And I'm, I'm absolutely right. I have maps on my wall right now that prove this. Little red strings tied to the little pins, like in... Yeah. yeah, well, there's there's strings, but <laughs> never mind. No. Uh, uh, going. 
Rob, would you like to kick off the wrap up? Oh, should we do some quotes? I guess we should do some quotes. My Kindle doesn't. I can't do this. I can't. I have no Kindle here. I I don't have any quotes from this. It's definitely a combination of it being a PDF and. um, Can I, can I paraphrase quotes instead? Just like my memory of them. Just make shit up. That's cool. Hey, I have a couple questions. Zip. (laughs) God damn it! I had that same one. Did you know that I smell like a combination of chocolate chip cookies and (laughs) cinnamon candy? Why do you have a southern drawl all of a sudden? My sister's calling. That's it. That's my whole scene. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, the Donnie booked winner for 2015. Oh, damn it. I was waiting to say that. <laughs> uh, yeah, I had a couple of quotes, but, you know, if you guys don't have it, uh, I, can't talk, I can't talk what David just had. Um, Rob, it. you want to kick off the wrap-up? Me? Mm-hmm. Sure. Okay. <laughs> Me? What? Wait, I have an, I do have a quote. I got my Kindle working. All right. Here we go. You ready? Zip. <laughs> These new Kindles are sweet. <laughs> this is the Kindle Fire. <laughs> That's the one that reads the book to you, right? <laughs> my Kindle Fire is sweet. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> I can't do wrap up first, Olivia. Not after that. All right, Let, I'll, I'll go first. Before and and David, no commentary. Just let, let me do my thing. <laughs> sorry. sorry, my Kindle fire is out of control. I'm still taking this book at face value until I either a hear different from Red Hammond or spend this next week rereading this book, uh, the David James Keaton version of this book. Um, so based on my first read through of Triple X, Seamus, uh, here's where I'm at. Um, I think that Red Hammond created a incredibly complex character in Hopper and, and uh, someone we've not seen before. You know, I think we've seen down uh, we've seen a lot of beat down um, uh, protagonists, but none quite like this guy, like his sexual obsession. And he's been raped by a mechanic and he has this this sick sexual relationship with his sister that he can't get out of and but he's still kind of no holds barred with everybody else just a very complex character what was lacking in the pi story um i i think was made up for in weird just weird character development so the sister there's a mr keaton mentioned earlier uh, a guidance counselor or the the girl he's looking for yasmin and, and divinity the college student girlfriend i think there's a lot of interesting characters i did have to swallow the the bit of him being irresistible to everybody which may or may not be the case um but once i got past that like i mentioned earlier, like in a sci-fi book i, I was pretty cool with the story and i, and I kind of liked the direction it took a uh, very 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 dark um i have to go with like four stars pending pending further uh looking into some of the things we talked about here this evening okay david would you like to go next um yeah, I. Uh, you want me to assign it some sort of, some sort of score? Yep. You'll be I'll doing one, it. one out of in between, up to five stars, and um, you can go halves because I know we've hit this kind of problem before. Okay, we'll go. Uh, try to count, count the zippers. Ready? I give it. I give it. Five zippers, man. <laughs> I give it five zippers, and I'll tell you why. 
I'll tell you why. Because I this is a dangerous book, and this is exactly the kind of thing that a small press can do that a bigger press cannot do. I hate when I get an indie book and it's just an imitation of what the what the big presses are doing. This is the kind of thing that the big a big press can't touch because it's a legitimately it's dangerous material and it's uh, um and I thought it was entertaining and uh, that's why I give it five stars because this is what I look for when I buy something that's not you know on fucking Oprah this is uh, <laughs> not that well the road was on you guys laugh at Oprah the road was on Oprah mm-hmm. I know so I'm just saying this is uh, this is what I look for in small press books that's why I give it five five zippers all right uh, I just want to start by saying I hope that that fifth zip was the up and not the down for the sake of the rest of this uh, episode <laughs> um I, I feel weird about this book. Um, it, it's billed very much as a very pornographic and offensive or sexually charged book. Lots of sex happening. But that's really kind of the most inconsequential part of it. I think we talked about that a little bit earlier. Um, the most interesting stuff is really just uh, some of the relationships, the relationship between Hopper and his sister and how that you know has impacted his life. And... Um, I don't know. Overall, it's it's difficult for me to really pinpoint what I liked and didn't like. I didn't. It's not like I was just turning pages because of their, like the titillation of seeing what kind of weird, messed up sex thing was going to happen next. But I do really enjoy, kind of like David said, the the boldness of of the direction and the things that were chosen to be included in the book. Um, I think that's really the strong point more than any one individual part uh, or thing that happens in the book is just the the author's like willingness to go where a lot of people wouldn't. Which, um, at the same time, the author did use a pseudonym, so there's only so much boldness, but I can, I can understand that. We talked to, uh, to uh, Brian Evanson. Unless it's the author as character, in which case it's just another level. That's true. And we did talk to Brian Evanson once, and he explained that um, you know he uses different uh, author names for different um, styles of writing. So if, I'm putting little quotes in the air, this isn't the typical style of writing for this author, it makes sense that they would kind of separate their different bodies of work. So I'm not going to kind of, I'm not going to use that against the author, um, but I will say that like the, the strong parts of the book are like kind of what David was saying, the boldness and, and the deeper kind of it, how, what it makes you think about these people. Um, I didn't really know where I was going to go with stars or zips. Um, <laughs> and I think I'm going to land at, uh, I'm going to go three. Three stars. Well, if we're going to start measuring zippers and stars, I feel very comfortable with my five. <laughs> five is fine. You made good points. There's a picture in a graph with all three of our names, and it goes five, four, three. There's a little rob on the end. <laughs> But if you average that out, that's an overall four-star rating between the two. I don't think that's a... This is what I was thinking. I was thinking about this. As you guys started to come up with these reasons for not giving it five stars, I I started to think about how influenced you guys might be about 
the review itself. Are you guys reviewing the book? Or are you reviewing the quality of the review? Like, <laughs> like, do we, if let's say we would have talked about the ending, if you know we couldn't spoil it, but what if we would have had this exchange about the fucked up last ten pages? Would it be would it be a different reaction? Um, I don't know. For me, I mean, I'll be honest. Here's I know where the one star lacks in this, and that's in the actual PI story. When you build something as a PI story, I, I actually want to care about the mystery or feel that the detective has done, you know, some real solid, thoughtful footwork to get to the answer. Did you feel like the uh, that some heart showed up at the end of the, the book? This, yeah, in a, yeah, in no. A, I'll be honest with you, when the actual, and, and, you know, listener beware, if you're reading this on the Kindle, you're going to think the story is over. And it goes on for another 15%, I think, 20%. Like, I had no idea where the rest of this was going. I was like, this is kind of cut and dry. We've ended the PI mystery portion. You know, a couple pages to wrap up, but it just kept going. And it went in a very good direction, I think. I was just a little disappointed that I read a PI book where I didn't feel the PI did anything other than than fuck a bunch of people to find. Well, didn't you feel that he it had wrapped up the PI section to get to the real ending? Yeah, which, it did. It did. Which I thought was a surprise. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I wish we could talk about the fucking ending. Um, <laughs> but we usually don't talk this much about the book after the wrap up. I'm going to say that much. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm just saying, if we talked about the ending, maybe Livius would throw it another half star or something. I'm sticking with my three, buddy. <laughs> I didn't know if this would work, but I thought, I thought this would be my last chance to try to actually Red, stars. Red Ham and David did everything he could for you, buddy. <laughs> Red, I'm serious. I want to know if Keaton's right. Even partially right. <clears throat> Livius, s- David's going to retroactively change it to 10 zips. <laughs> just to offset our lower number of stars. My four. I really like this book. I just wanted a, a better, the, the, no, the actual see, investigation, I, investigative I'm fucking, version. I'm just fucking around. I, I feel uh, stars are thrown around. Five stars are thrown around a little liberally, but I, I give everything five stars that I like. So you, know, you guys are <laughs> burdened by some sort of uh, responsibility because you've read more books. I read about a book every five years. So <laughs> this was a big this was a big deal for me. Wait a minute, you've reviewed like three books with us. That you didn't read those other ones. If we don't know who Red Hammond is, and if you guys might have accidentally had him review his own book like you've done in the past, <laughs> he might be apt to try to squeeze a couple more stars out of your zippers. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> are are you implying that you're Red Hammond? Is that what's happening here? I'm saying that uh, (laughs) here we go I'm saying that this might goose he or she to come forward I'll claim this fucking book I worked hard on this I worked hard on this book I worked so hard on this book I planted so many psychological clues as to who I was I've been giving you these clues the entire interview and then to get some sort of, eh, I give it three stars because he didn't find the girl. <laughs> this didn't go as planned. Oh, oh. Fucking priceless. I mean, that's why I know I'm right, because I wrote the fucking thing. That's why I know 
exactly what's going on in this book. Would you, you guys it. give it? Give it. Would you think you? Should, if I was right, would you change your stars? If I was right, if you were right, I'd. I think I'd almost have to reread the book. I'd feel kind of foolish. Well, not, I wrote. Not, the, I wrote the fucking book, so you can change oh. your rating. I wrote it. All, All right, right now. I'm going to challenge you on that because in the author's bio, I'm going back to the author's bio for evidence here. It says, "Really boring." I was boring, drunk when I wrote that bio. <laughs> really boring guy who just, who lives with his dog. We know you've got a cat that's afraid of people's voices coming out of computers. Now, if if the author bio said, "Who slowly strangles his neighbor's dogs to death?" <laughs> well, there dead you giveaway. Go. Have I talked about? If you were to say, what was more memorable last? Time we talk, the dog or a cat? What would you say? Well, dog. dog. Yeah. <laughs> Damn it. Got me. You got me. I gotcha. Anyway, you guys can give my book as many stars as you want. But when's the only time you ever had an author <laughs> review one of his books? That would be. That would be you. That would be you, Kaiser Shosei. <laughs> <laughs> Red hand. Uh, he's got to come forward. The author's got to come forward now. Because... <laughs> Donnie booked winner, right, 2013. So, yeah, yeah. Yep, right so we now, just Sean... reviewed Triple X Sheamus right, by David James Keaton. Right. Unless right someone now, challenges Sean, us on this. Sean, Sean Ferguson right now is saying, it's just like in Batman when Harvey Dent claims to be Batman, but he's not. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Oh, this is David. As I mentioned before, any runners-up might be taking David's place after somebody kills him. If it's not Red Hammond or Sean Ferguson, or this is uh, he's laying the groundwork for Donnie Book 2014. That's what this is. Oh. Donnie Book Two. Yeah. So here's what we figured out, David. Next year, you either have to be a judge, or we have to spend the entire time lobbying against you because we really didn't expect you to sweep every category you were in. Well, I looked at one of those graphs that says the best times to put stuff on Facebook. And it said, <laughs> and it said a Tuesday at eight o'clock, and that's what I did. And boom, winner trophies. So you don't think it's actual talent or anything? You just did some Facebook research. Um, well, yeah, well, that too. <laughs> you didn't deserve it, is what you're saying? I, I, hey, hey. I'm just, I just appreciate the cash reward. <laughs> um, well, I mean, that's what we said about when we won the This Is Horror Award for Podcast of the Year. We didn't win it on merit. We won it by stealing it. So that's completely valid. Way it should be. All right. Um, <laughs> so speaking of people who are who are on the list that want to murder you, uh, oh, shit. we we. <laughs> We hear that uh, Zombie Bed and Breakfast, ZBMB, uh, the rights have reverted back to you. Yes. Yes. Free from You want to talk drama. about that a little bit? I'm assuming, right? No drama there? Yeah, no. It was a, it was a drama-free exchange. I mean, drama-free is, and I've been making fun of him every chance I get online and maybe got a Google alert. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like he doesn't need me to tell him that he's, you know, a monster. He's the... His cavalcade of horror, um, of terror, uh, of debacle when he fucked over that girl and mm-hmm. changed her story and uh, Mandy DeGuyte or whatever. And uh, that blew up in his face and that then maybe that made him um, rethink some things. But a, a few months ago, he had sent me an email saying, you know, I'll give you your rights back to that for 500 bucks. And um, 
I said something to the effect of, uh, you know, you owe me this much money or whatever. Why don't you pay me that instead? And then he said something uh, like, uh, I, I pay, I pay all my debts. Um, you're, you're, uh, I can't think what he said. Whatever he said was really immature. And then I sent him back, always a pro, Tony, always a pro. And that was the last, I think that was the last thing I sent him was an email that said, always the pro, Tony. And then he just sent an email a couple days ago saying, rights are yours. And, it, and it's done in this like fucking, uh, it's like somebody's on the witness stand that thinks that they have some sort of passing knowledge of law. Yeah. <laughs> I, I hereby with this email decree that you are the uh, rights holder of the aforementioned, sounds like a fucking idiot, but um Anyway, it's mine again. So he can't sell it. I might, my name will be attached to him. And, uh, you know, I was, I was naive. Um, but again, like I told you guys, I'd already published that thing three times. So fuck him. Um, yeah, joke's going to be on you when we find out that XXX Seamus was written by Tony G. And Gregorio. <laughs> <laughs> and you gave him can five I, stars. <laughs> can I share the PS in the, in the email he sent you? Oh, yes, yes. I sent Livius the email because I was so excited. It was so, my New Year's gift. I got the rights back. Just, just prior to the PS, it says the book is yours again. Best of luck with it. And that's his PS. I really don't want to talk to you ever again. So take the book and move on, please. <laughs> <laughs> that's a definitive victory right there. Oh, Tony so, G. This has to become like a Spielberg movie now or something <laughs> like to really just mess with him. Somebody should write his story because he's, uh, it, it seems like every couple of months, somebody just, you know, somebody discovers that he's a monster and um, they put up some sort of blog and it, there's a, it's a little viral sensation for a while. And it's, it's always amazing how many people he snags. I mean, uh, you know, he snagged, uh, he still has a Jonathan Mayberry story that he put in some anthology and and Mayberry put up um, a blog post about it. And that's one that somebody put on Facebook just the other day. They're like, Jonathan Mayberry got a, a story screwed up by this dude. And it's, and it's just that it just keeps coming back around. You know, it's never going to stop for him. But he, he must be making money or else it, he would just vanish, right? I mean, I noticed he started another imprint. That's how he fooled me is he started uh, at Open Casket Press. Mm -hmm. Um and he started another one called Shut the Fuck Up Press. <laughs> always the pro. Amply titled. Amply titled. Always, always the pro. Uh, but yeah, so a bunch of people will think, oh, what's this? This sounds edgy. And they won't know who he is because he doesn't identify himself on there. And, and he must make money. There's no other reason he would put himself through. He's just an internet pariah. But I don't know. We all, hear, we all write stories that are loosely based on him. But like, you know what I'm saying, and then submit them to his press. Yeah. I think that's what you should. Yeah. You should. It's his uh, talking to him. It reminds me, and this guy I talked to, um, Alex Cizak, was talking about him a little bit too. He's very his personality and his his mentality is very similar to the movie business. And um, I've dabbled a bit in, in screenwriting, and it no joke. He sounds a lot like movie producers, um, wannabe producers, any sort of uh, mid-level, low-level attachment to um, production companies. 
it, that's what they sound like. And um, uh, Cezak was just remarking about how much it reminded him of some guy who screwed him over when he was making movies back, um, I guess, about 15 years ago or 20 years ago. He was he started off making movies. And uh, that's that's what he is. You know, that's and it's sad because that's that shit's apparently makes money or it's successful or something. It's that mentality just will push through any product. And maybe in the movie industry, it does. The quality doesn't matter at all. You know, matters even less. And they all sound like that, dude. Every email I've gotten from any, anywhere I've sent a screenplay or any kind of conversation or ongoing correspondence it's like talking to him all over again it was deja vu and maybe that's why i didn't see the warning signs at first because i thought oh jesus everybody's like this this is right. how it is yeah yeah but that's that's exactly who he sounds like and, and those guys maybe those guys make money and the joke's on us i don't know i don't know so will we be seeing zbmb are you going to release that yourself again or are you going to shop it around or has it just been put to bed well i'm gonna i think i'm gonna shop it around as um not by itself, but I, I gathered together all my zombie stuff, and I've got a couple uncollected stu- uh, stories, and there was a couple in Fish Bites Cop that were zombie stories. And um, with that novella, it makes about a, your typical short story collection-sized book. And um, I might th- shop that around, see if anybody wants to put out a book of zombie stuff, you know. And if, if not, no, no big deal. But I've never put all the zombie stuff in one place. So, and all the zombie stories I have are, uh, are definitely a, a left of center view of the zombie thing anyway. So they, they'd sit together, I think, pretty well. And there's been, um, I'm talking, I'm talking to a couple people about it, but nothing solid yet. So you might see it again. Nice. Uh, if, if not, it might just quietly die. It'll be that. That footnote, remember that zombie thing <laughs> mm-hmm. put out by that psycho guy? So you guys have collector's items. Those, those I was going to say, I've got <clears throat> my open casket press copy signed by you. <laughs> yeah. wonder if we can get Tony G to sign those, because that would be really fucking special. If he exists, he's, um, I don't know. Dude's an enigma wrapped in a mineral. <laughs> wrapped in a mineral? In a, <laughs> an enigma wrapped in a mineral. <laughs> no, I said you're an enigma. <sighs> oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> we don't need to get racist, David. Oh, jeez. What else we got, Livius? Well, it seems that uh, Mr. Keaton and us um, share an honor. We've both been nominated for the This Is Horror Awards. Oh, yeah. Our second year being nominated for Podcast of the Year, which we won last year. Which we Um, trumped the competition. I don't know if we trumped the competition, but that's how I like to think of it. You've got to put your guy, you got to put your uh, people on the street, get them to vote for me, because I don't think I can rustle up people to vote for me again. I I wasted all, I called in all my (laughs) markers on the Donnybrook (laughs) bullshit. (laughs) That debacle, and I still haven't seen a check. Oh, wow. No, I'm going to make you a, a certificate. Don't worry. Okay. It's coming. Um, i got to get something out of it. If you, win, those... if you win the This Is Horror Awards, there is a certificate that comes from overseas that shows really? up at your house. Yep. Via oh, the see, real mail. There's an official, an official certificate. I should have saved those votes. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm going to have to tell them, hey, remember when I asked, can you do that again? 
And even this one's more, this one's harder to do. You got to send an email and they're, they're going to be like, I'm out. <laughs> I will true. say that next year, next year, I'm going to ask Michael Wilson to put together um, uh, like a, like a ballot, like, you know, where, where you can vote with a, like a party ballot where I will submit. Rob and I will go through and check off who we would like to be voted with. <laughs> and you can just submit an email that says, I want to be on the, I want to vote for the booked ticket. Yeah. And it'll just sing it all the way down. So, yeah. but um, yes, Fish Bites Cop for best horror of the year, horror collection of the year. Very um, exciting. There's some heavyweights in there too, though. There was, yeah. uh, is it, how do you say it? Laird Baron? Laird Baron, Baron has quite a following. Yeah, and that book, I've been hearing a lot about that that book. And, and also that, uh, what is it, North American Lake Monsters? Yep. Um, and that I one they made fun of, I think, is on there, right? Isn't it the, you know what I'm talking about, Livius? Um, yeah, I don't, is it? I'd have to take a look. One of them's a, a laughing stock. Do tell, do tell. Yeah, so I'm looking at the list right now. Um, for the short story collection of the year, uh, Fish Bites Cop is on there. Um, the Laird Baron is, is called The Beautiful Thing That Awaits Us All. Um, right. Lord's American Lake Monsters, like you said. Oh, you know what? Maybe it's on a different, maybe we're That was a standalone it. novel, I think. No, it's we're up against it. It's an anthology of the year. The booked anthology is is uh, nominated, but also the best horror of the year. Isn't that the one edited by Ellen Dantlow? Am I right about that? They had a whole episode. Anyway, the story is uh, this is horror. There was a whole bunch of flack because they did a review of a book, which I think that's what it is, or maybe it's like an England one. Maybe I'm wrong about that. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Um, that uh, that they didn't give a, a favorable review to, and they caught a ton of hell about it, and they had to kind of come back with a rebuttal about you know integrity and you know people well, being yeah, religious. I mean they didn't. Who gave them shit about it? People that were in it. Uh, people who had read it, and um, I don't think it was the authors. I think it was yeah, fans of the work. So that's their revenge, as they rallied to get it nominated. Could be, but they're up against the book anthology. Yeah, what so it doesn't matter. Have? <laughs> reigning book, po- reigning podcast champions on this is horror. <laughs> um, yeah. What's it called? I could, oh, I could I be wrong about this. This is the yeah. best horror of the year, volume five. I do um, know that um, the one they caught the most, um, the most um, flack over was that guy's book in it. The name is eluding me now because I was on that podcast where they had talked about some of the rebuttals that they had gotten and the actual author commented uh, yeah which was which was interesting but yeah i mean it's it, it is what it is you know i mean they're not all great books um they're not all great podcasts so remember that when you're thinking about voting for pseudopod or somebody else <laughs> other than booked <laughs> they're not all winners um <laughs> but yeah stephen graham jones is nominated he's on the booked uh on the booked ticket uh is he? He's not up against us, as you know. He's up for best novel. <laughs> Thankfully, because I will throw somebody right oh. on the goddamn bus for end of this show or not. And you know what? I'm wrong. the The book they tore apart is the best British fantasy of 2013. Oh. I was totally wrong. I thought that we were up against like, I thought it was going to be an easier shot for us, and it's not. Well, it's it's interesting that um, maybe more so for you guys than me that you're classified as horror. Like, uh, I, I kind of toe the line, I guess. Um, do you guys, is it, or are they kind of slippery with the definition of horror over there? All right. Well, I'm gonna. I'm, I've got our our table of contents. 
pulled up right now. Um, How many horror? All right, let's have a look. I'm gonna. Give, I'm just gonna throw out the ones that I think really are horror. Um, I would give it to Josh Deach, The Mulligan, <clears throat> Nikki Gerlain's Children of the Wetlands, definitely. Uh, Richard Thomas's Surrender is kind of toeing that line. Uh, Bob yeah, that Pas- was like a par- that was a paranormal activity kind of dealing. Yeah, Bob Passarella's yeah. Take My Breath Away I would definitely give in the horror genre. Um, Sean Ferguson with Two Dollar Beer Nights is more goofy than anything, but it is like very subtly zombie themed. So I'd say maybe twenty percent of the book. Well, I think Caleb Ross's piece falls under horror. Caleb, the removal kind, yeah, that's true. And and Fred oh, Venturini's too. And Fred Venturini's story, yeah, yeah Pound of Flesh for sure. Yeah. So well, easily, this is what I think. Easily a quarter of the book. Well, this is what I think happens with that. Um, is I think that horror has become this. It's where you go um, for for refuge when you're too weird enough for crime and you're too dark for lit fiction. And horror becomes the place where things have a comfortable home. That's what I've seen with. With fish bites cop that it's not you know the crime people it's a little too weird for them or there's there's some straight horror stories in there but it's all just even if it's psychological horror which i think a lot of the book anthology even if it's not supernatural psychological right. horror it would fall under and there's um and i think that's why it becomes a, a safe haven for the for the truly weird and the, the different stuff that's out there that's what i've seen yeah, but it kind of dilutes the genre overall, which is something that we've been frustrated with a lot lately. What does now? The fact that horror is kind of a dumping ground for otherwise uncategorizable yeah. stories. I'm glad that at least happens because it just seems like it, I, I, I hit myself over the head trying to get lit people or even crime people to look at that book because they everybody has an idea of what they think it is. And... Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, and, and to, to correct, I guess, or, or to kind of state my opinion, not to correct what Rob said, but I don't have an issue with it being a little bit more of a catch-all category. I just find it, I find it hard to find good traditional horror. Right. So I don't mind that I have to weed through some psychological stuff or whatever to get there. I just, I, I miss like early Clyde Barker. <laughs> yeah, like that kind of stuff. Yeah. Well, Stephen Graham Jones. That's the thing. The the definition of horror has followed some of those guys as they've changed genres. So like Stephen King, you know, definitely firmly planted in the supernatural horror realm. Uh, As he gets more literary, he's still, it's like he brings horror with it, you know, and people think of horror as something different due to those guys. So So fuck you, Stephen King. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I, I would say, Thank you, because he's at least, <laughs> he's at least getting some of these people to loosen their uh, reservations about what horror is. Um, but I don't care, you know. I don't care if it's whatever they define it as, as long as somebody if somebody needs some. They need to pin it down before they read it. Then whatever, call it whatever the fuck you want. As long Just, as you win the award, right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. That's what I'm saying. Exactly. Don't forget to vote at thisishorror.co.uk. There are directions. If you need other recommendations, you just don't know how to vote in a category, um, feel free to reach out to me. I'll be happy to tell you who to vote for and everything but tattoo artists, just because I have no idea. That's right. And, and the uh, event of the year. 
I will say Scardiff had the best name for event of the year. Probably in Cardiff. <laughs> probably in Cardiff. Yeah. yeah, you're probably right about that. I wasn't sure what any of that stuff was. All those events, I wasn't. Whatever's going on over in that crazy island, I don't know what they're doing over there. They, you know, they're trying to. They're trying. All right. So earlier, um, Rob was trying to figure out how exactly uh, David Keaton reviewed some books with us, since he only reads a book every five years. We've only been doing the show for almost three years, and. Um, I think I have it figured out. I I don't think that what you're about to hear is the initial offering of of another service that uh, I guess a Adam Otten and friend of this show has. Um, I, I know he's pimping this like it's new, but uh, maybe maybe Keaton could be one of those. Uh, what are they called? Uh, you know, where they have the testimonials that you'll hear. <laughs> like a, yeah, like maybe a... the next one will have David in there talking about the synopses that he's uh, that he's read. <laughs> All right. Sounds like a lot of reading. I don't know if I want to do that. G. Bookterman here with another incredible product from Booked Industries. Do you find books boring? Are you functionally illiterate? Can you not focus on your book report because your eyes are too strained from texting that girl who sits next to you and has no intention of hopping into your bed but keeps stringing you along so she can get a better grade? Well, your hopes and all non-denominational prayers have been answered. Introducing Booked Capsules. How it works is this. I simply read the synopsis of a book, then using my heightened extrapolation skills, I'll tell you everything you need to know about said book. For example, did you know that if mice and men contains far more men than mice? It's true! But don't take my word for it. Listen to these testimonials. Yo, I used to think Madame Bovary was about a broad who raised cows. But now I know it's about a broad who gets milked like a cow. Thanks, J.G. Bookerman. The leader was, like, totally hot. Like, how she got all those guys to take her places and buy her stuff. I just think she, like, makes a great role model for my life. Thanks, J.G. Bookderberg. Heart of Darkness was awesome. With all the explosions, and that tiger, and the horror, the horror. Thanks, Jesus. Now, I know what you're asking. J.G., call me Mr. Bookterman. Mr. Bookterman, can we just read the synopses ourselves and come up with our own interpretations? Well, you certainly could, but do you have the kind of experience that comes from walking around bookstores reading the backs of books for literally threes of hours at a time? I think not. I can hardly imagine a man as lonely as me. Board of Cliffs notes, you ask? Or Sparks notes? Simple. I don't know what those are. Question time is over. Now's the time for buying. And how much does the booked capsule service cost, you ask? Well, I already told you question time's over, but I'll tell you anyway. I will send you a new booked capsule every week for the low, low monthly rate of one fifty nine ninety nine. What a bargain. You heard the man. It's a bargain. So dial one eight eight booked Again, that's one eight eight B O O K E D period. Call today. Do not call. Not a real phone number. Stupidity rates may apply. All right. Once again, that was, I can't remember the name, JP, JP Bookterman or whatever he's calling himself mm-hmm. on there, but, uh, um, our good buddy, A. Adam Otten, uh, is, just keeps providing us with new content. I think he's trying to, I honestly, this is just my personal opinion, I think he's trying to nudge Skip Papersley off the podcast. Yep, yep, listen, everybody has a target on their back. David has target <laughs> on his back from the runners-up of, of the of the Donnie booked. We definitely, we've had targets on our backs for a long time from other podcasts. Why not? The target's, the, the target's not just on my back. <laughs> <laughs> you can't I, think get you, I think I just got two zippers. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> yeah, now every time I hear a zipper, I'm, I think I'm raiding something. Like, that was you know the worst piss I gonna, ever took. You know it's going to demystify that zipper. That's the case for my Atari Lynx. 
But you know what? My dick is still in it. (laughs) (laughs) Can we talk about your Atari Lynx for a second? Sure. Um, So do you find that playing... I never played a Lynx. Um, Yeah, I played the 2600 and, and, you know, but... Do you find that, that there's still, obviously, you find it playable, but how do you find it in comparison? Have you played a newer video game system, or is that, like, the newest one you've played? <laughs> well, we have a big Tetris <laughs> tournament going on here, actually. Um, since uh, since we've been on break, um, there's seriously been a, a Nintendo Tetris tournament, and that's that's about all we play is Lynx and, and Tetris. Not even Nintendo, just Tetris on there, because the other games won't play. Um, I do have a PlayStation 2 with only a couple games on it um, never play it I um, I recently they uh, I don't know much like uh, much like uh, Sherlock Holmes falling into public domain so have like all the Atari 2600 games so there's a website where you can play them right in your browser I was trying to play a few of them the other night and they are so goddamn terrible I don't even know how I played them as a kid I literally each one held my interest for about 30 seconds. I was like, yeah, I'm done. I'm done. I try another one. Done. Next. Done. I'm like, you know, I'm going to go back to PlayStation 3. Amy just creeped in here to get something. Say hello. Hello. Hi, Amy. How are you? Hello. Hi. How you doing, Livius? Good. Good. Happy New Year. Yeah, you too. Thanks. You're going to you're gonna be on a podcast now. You're famous. Yep. Yep. Oh, Christ. <laughs> Another Please guest don't. appearance. Oh Christ! Can you, uh, for I the just record, can you, my can you confirm what zipper David David's using? I need some. I've been making zipper noises. What is what is this that I've been making zipper noises oh, with? Um, <laughs> I don't know the name of it. It's the it's the video well, game system uh, that. Okay. You don't know what the name of this. Lynx. It's a Lynx. It's an Atari Lynx. How do you not know what a Lynx is? I don't give a shit about that stuff. Sorry. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so that's the zipper. <laughs> I got to tell you, if this doesn't win us <laughs> podcast of the year over at This Is Horror, I don't know what will. <sighs> All right. I think that about wraps it up, right, Rob? Uh, well, no, David, what, uh, what's coming up? What can we expect to see from you soon? Well, this summer will be uh, Last Projector, Broken River Books. Um, there's a, uh, Bruce Springsteen tribute anthology coming out in the next month or two. Uh, that I wrote a story based on that dog that I was choking out in our <laughs> couple episodes ago. It's, uh, it's loosely based on the neighbor's dog. Um, it's all stories, uh, that have, um, that are based on Bruce Springsteen's song titles. Joe Clifford and, uh, Gutter Books, I think, organized that. And they have some interesting names that I'll wait for them to to announce. They got a lot of interesting guys coming up in that. Uh, what else? Uh, there's that Hoods, Hot Rods, and Hellcats should come out at some point. They got pushed back from all sorts of uh, reasons. And well, that was the I, Kickstarter should... one, right? Yeah, yeah. It got kickstarted last year. Um, we all uh, signed... The book plates that went out with it, we all mailed those to each other. And I've seen pictures of it online, but I've never uh, seen the finished product. But that should be out any minute. And um, I have a novella in there called Headless Hoggy Style. 
and that's about it. Those three things. I think I haven't sent out any stories because I'm working on uh, I'm working on a couple books right now. One with a glossary. <laughs> I saw your apology about that on Facebook earlier today. <laughs> so so sorry, but it has a glossary. So, so so the glossary. Can can you tell us? Is it that you made up words or or why a glossary? Um, I just the apps. I made up definitions for words you already know. Oh well, there you go. <laughs> so it's. <laughs> Can David James so keep rewriting the English language? Less, yeah. There's there's less than zero reason to have one. You flip to the back and it will tell you a different definition. <laughs> That's like the worst glossary I've ever heard of. <laughs> I know it's the worst idea ever. <laughs> <laughs> um, if anybody wants to catch some of the upcoming upcoming last projector in what I have to imagine is an early stage of the writing. Um, Listen to, I think, all but one of the live reading episodes we have that has David James Keaton in it. And um, that's all from, there's tons of stuff, right, from from that book? Yeah, I think everything is in it now. <laughs> <laughs> well, you did the Nine Cops Killed for a Goldfish Cracker oh, in Indianapolis, not, right? I guess, yeah, that one's, I. there's no way that could really be in there, I guess. <laughs> Well, David, as always, it's been a pleasure, and congratulations on being the Donnie Book t- 2013 um, undisputed champion. Um, Donnie best, booked. Best of luck with uh, with the This Is Horror. So I'll tell you, when I sent in my vote, I definitely voted for for Fish Bites Cop. Well, I appreciate that. I voted for you too. Thanks, buddy. Oh, thanks. Rob hasn't voted yet. Not yet. Yeah. I'm really working through some of my opinions on certain categories. Like tattoo artist? Tattoo. I know. I'm just. Dumb. You don't want. Are you going to vote for the guy who fucked up your arm? <laughs> <laughs> Is that making it in the last projector? Is, or was that special for our uh, for our reading? Oh, that's a, that's a good question. Um, I guess you'll have to read it to find out. Oh, wow. All right. That's going to. On that cliffhanger, we are gonna, we're going to end it for tonight. That's going to wrap it up until next week. I'm Rob Olson. And I'm Livia Snudden. Keep reading. Keep reading.